guys. Welcome back to the Chasing Truth podcast. I'm Presley. And I'm Grace. And we are glad you're back. We hope you have had a wonderful week. I have not had a wonderful week. (laughs) Grace, unfortunately, (laughs) has not had a wonderful week. She has learned some helpful and useful advice um, for the future that she could give to you. I mean, just don't get your ears pierced and everything will be fine. No. (laughs) Remember to twist you. I did twist them. It's okay. Okay. I'll just tell. Um, So I got my ears pierced for the first time ever, like uh, three weeks ago today. And somehow they got infected. I think it was because of one, masks, and two, they didn't give me any cleaning. They didn't give me, I did (laughs) twist them. Stop. They didn't give me any cleaning solution. So I was using hydrogen peroxide, which I've heard is way too hard on the skin. Anyways, big deal. They got infected. And then when I put hydrogen peroxide on them, one of them, like just exploded because there was so much infection and Yikes. swallowed the back of my earring and then continued to heal really quickly. So it was just stuck in there, sticking out. And I had to go into an urgent care. They so made- Grace is calling me on what? Like <laughs> Saturday Friday night. Yeah, Saturday night. She's like, so if this per se were to happen to someone of <laughs> them not being able to see the back of their earring because it's covered by skin, you know, what would you tell someone? I was like, was this happening to you, Grace? She's like, yeah. And that was, that was post meltdown. Grace. <laughs> it was rough. So, but yeah. they made a tiny incision and then they poked it out and oh, all is well wow. now, but so twist your earrings it was and kind clean of a, them good. Yeah. It was a life and death situation. Really. I thought I was going to die. I really did. <laughs> Just right. kidding. It's fine. So lessons learned. Yes. With Grace and Presley. It's over now. <laughs> I'm, I hope they heal rightly now. We'll see. I'll, I'll so, keep you updated. Shall we get into it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay, let's see. So last week we had a bonus interview with Erin Coates, mm-hmm. which was awesome. She's, so she's so wonderful. The yeah. sweetest woman. She is. Just oh, love her. And so today we're jumping back into our gospel doctrine series. So the first part in the first part of the series, we talked about condemnation and justification. And then we interviewed our local pastor to talk about justification further in depth, which was such a good conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I would highly encourage you to go back and do so. So today, moving along with our series, we will be jumping into discussing the doctrine of regeneration. And I kind of just have a little side note before we get into discussing this further, but I want to talk about why we are talking about doctrine and why we should study doctrine, why we should dive deeper into the doctrine surrounding the gospel. Um, And I think a lot of us are used to hearing scripture taught through topical messages on how we can love or serve others better or how we can prove our own lives or be more like Christ Um, And I found this interesting and I I started thinking about this and thought I wanted to include this in this episode when I was listening to a recent podcast episode released by the White Horse Inn podcast, and it was titled Doctrine and Life. And within their episode, they asked these two questions. One, how important in your Christian life is doctrine? And two, what is more important, understanding biblical doctrine or following Jesus in the way we live? So how would you answer these questions? Um, In the episode, most people answered that doctrine, one, wasn't that essential, and two, following Jesus in the way we live is more important. Though I was, you know, thinking about this and wrestling with this as, you know, we are discussing doctrine right now. And I was thinking that 
and what they talk about in the episode is the problem is how can we follow Christ and how can we understand why we should follow Christ without a clear understanding of gospel doctrine. And I think that this is even a problem that a lot of churches make Mm. the mistake of, like you talked about, a lot of them are, a lot of sermons today are very topical. They have a set number of points, a set number of tips of, um, and the sermon will be titled how to live like a Christian, how to begin again, how to grow your faith, whatever. And as a result of this, you hear lots of phrases in ministry, like what would Jesus do? Or just try to live out the gospel. However, Mm. you know, the fundamental issue with these sermons is that they, they missed the entire point of the gospel. You missed it. Grace's favorite line. My favorite line. And to clarify you, they miss it because they place the responsibility of change and Christian living solely on the Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And more than that, they place the ability to do these things on us. It's not our ability at all. And ultimately because of that, they're so burdensome. Yeah. And without an understanding of doctrines surrounding the gospel, people fall into this burdensome way of thinking that somehow they can just live better and do better or be more like Christ, just try harder. Mm -hmm. Um, Within a lot of these sermons or messages, Jesus is just simply viewed as a moral example that we're seek to mirror and be more like. Um, But understanding doctrine would tell you that he's so much more than that. And with an understanding of gospel doctrine, you'll understand that it is not anything we can do on our own to seek to love or care for others like Christ. But it is solely his work in us that enables us to live and love others in this way. Yeah, we, I think we put a post out about this the other day, just like mm-hmm. Jesus cannot even become a moral example to you until he is first your Lord, Yeah, because he has saved us from the bondage of sin and brought us into the freedom of freedom from sin so that he can be in our, our example so that we can grow in him so that we can um, live like him through his spirit. Because I mean, you, Jesus can't just be an example until he is first Lord. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just with the understanding of he's an example, but he's an example will never, will never be, will never meet. Mm -mm. But that's so, that gives me so much peace because then it's like, okay, the weight is not on me. Thank goodness. It's not on me. Thank Thank goodness. goodness It's on Christ and that he can fulfill the standards and meet the righteousness that God requires. And I think a lot of people too, you know, Christ is our example, but we're not supposed to be exactly like him. We're not supposed to fill his shoes. We're supposed to submit to him Mm. and to, you know, repent and turn to the gospel and allow him to work through us. We're not supposed to, you know, be our own Jesus and write our own Bible and act like he did exactly to ourselves. We're not our own Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to repent and submit to him as a result of his example. So Mm, exactly, exactly. And kind of coming off of that. So we'll never be perfect and we'll never be exactly like Christ, but we will, we can become like Christ in spirit Mm -hmm. through the regeneration of our souls. Which is what we're talking about today. It's what we're talking about. (laughs) The doctrine of regeneration. Yeah. So regeneration, um, when we say the word regeneration, we're referring to change. I know in our episode called The Gospel Isn't Fair, we touched briefly on the concept of federal headship, which is the thought process of Romans 5 and 6, where the natural person or the person without God who exists only by their sinful nature is a slave to sin. But On the other hand, the regenerated heart, the changed heart that has been changed 
by the Holy Spirit's power through the gospel, the changed heart, while still in the sinful nature, has peace with God through Jesus and is able to do good through the power of God in them, Mm -hmm. thus being freed from the bondage of sin to go and sin no more. So the idea, I guess, of regeneration, which we often refer to as being born again, you might've heard that in church. um, It's referring to heart change and the heart change that takes place in salvation. Second Corinthians 517 touches on this when it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tie it back to that episode one more time. Our episode, The Gospel Isn't Fair, we talked about um, justification and justification being the legal declaration of righteousness that allows us to have um, a relationship with God that makes us right with God. So regeneration is the physical result of that. Mm-hmm. Regeneration is a result of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, changing our heart of stone to become a heart of flesh and um, allowing God to just reveal to us knowledge and understanding. Yes. So so regeneration is the physical result of mm-hmm. justification. justification. So of yes. being declared righteous, you're then regenerated. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because God doesn't just leave you there. mm -hmm. He doesn't just justify you and give you a better, give you standing with God. He sends his Holy Spirit to be with you and to change you and to help you grow to be more like him. Mm. He doesn't just leave you. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. (laughs) And something I want to be clear on when we are talking about regeneration is that we are talking about something that is a result of God's sovereign work alone. It is completely Mm. his doing. Yeah. And I think we need to take a second and just talk about that because while a lot of people, a lot of Christians today say, well, of course God is sovereign. Of course God is sovereign in salvation. But you know, that way of thinking, I don't think always translates to their understanding of these gospel doctrines, Mm -hmm. um, particularly regeneration. I think that a common example of this is the idea of someone saying, you know, I accepted God and then he changed me, thus saying I allowed him to change me. Mm -hmm. When in reality, we cannot accept God until he first changes our hearts. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't mean to say that and like, they don't mean it it. negatively, but yeah, just, just the understanding that it is God Mm -hmm. drawing us near, changing us. And I think to help us understand this, let's take a look at John three, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who was the lead Pharisee at the time. So starting in verse two of John three, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So taking a look at these verses and considering God's sovereignty and salvation, let's look back at verse three, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And the phrase born again, Grace Mm -hmm. said it when she defined regeneration earlier, but the phrase here is so significant because um, comparing regeneration to birth points to the fact that the process of regeneration is entirely God's doing. So consider the role you played in your own birth. Did you, did you request to be born? (laughs) Did you, did you figure out how to? Well, no, we didn't. So it's the same way with our spiritual birth. That's why this is so significant. Um, In the same way that you can't ask to be born or seek guidance or direction on how to be born. There's no way you can request to be born again by the spirit of God, nor is there a how to guide on how to do so. And I think that's significant because it explains Romans three so well, where it says no one seeks God, Mm. because if it was my responsibility to, you know, accept God first, so then I could have be changed and then I could have a new life. And a lot of people, they even put justification after regeneration. Mm. But if you, if it were dependent on me, I wouldn't because I don't know my need for God until he gives me that understanding. It says Mm -hmm. no one seeks God. No one does good. Mm -hmm. All have turned away. It's the grace of God that I even recognize my need for him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we were, we're dead in our sins. Mm -hmm. Dead men can't raise themselves. They can't raise themselves. They can't give birth to themselves. (laughs) Like we are unable. That's why it is solely God's doing. So the regeneration of our hearts that leads to salvation is the sovereign act of God, completely separate from anything we can do. And considering the context of this verse, it's really significant that Jesus was telling this to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and his view of the gospel was entirely works-based. It was all law. So Jesus telling Nicodemus how to be born again by pointing out it's nothing that he actually can do was, was significant. And then after considering God's sovereignty within this verse, let's consider the implications of its statement. So, so Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So based on this verse, it's clear that for anyone to enter God's kingdom, they have to be forgiven of sins and they must be born again. So understanding that this is entirely God's doing, we understand that then all of our accumulated works or our goodness or our morality adds up to nothing when it comes to our salvation. We need Christ's righteousness, um, which points to our inability to do it on our own and our need for for God regenerating us. And something else that I think points to uh, God's control in regeneration is the last verse when it talks about um, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So in the same way that we have no direction or control over the wind, we cannot direct the working of the Holy Spirit. So it is God's sovereign work. It is irresistible grace. Um, mm-hmm. And this is freedom. Praise God that it is not our doing. I'm not even pro-choice when it comes to salvation. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's funny. I like <laughs> I that. I just had that thought. It's kind of funny. Actually. Yeah, it is. We should tweet that. Okay. Um, so if you see that on Twitter, make sure to give it a like yeah. and retweet and comment below that you heard it on this episode. Anyways, so personally, I said, we have to say, I said a trigger word for Grace. Yeah, you kind of did. <laughs> I said it really like solemnly. So she maybe wouldn't notice. Okay. Well, okay. so don't turn this off. Even if you disagree, we know that this is very, very controversial. And if you don't know that this is controversial, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Irresistible grace, free will and salvation, God's sovereignty. It's all very, a very hot topic. It's a hot button issue. 
But in all sincerity, I mean, irresistible grace, I think was one of the hardest things for me to come to terms with. I remember questioning, you know, if God is truly sovereign in salvation, yet still allows people to go to hell, then I mean, can God really be loving because he allows people to perish? And this is a question that I really struggled with. It's, it can be very puzzling, but only puzzling outside of the context of total depravity or understanding Romans 3, like we've talked about that none is righteous. No one does good. No, not one. All turn away. No one seeks God. Um, I don't think I said that in the right order. doesn't matter. You're a sinner <laughs> and you deserve the wrath of God. That's uh-huh. the point. <laughs> so when we understand this, that we deserve for ourselves the wrath and judgment of God, It all makes sense because in this light, the very fact that Christ died to even save one is incredible grace, not just irresistible grace. It's incredible because it's a grace that we do not deserve. None deserve it. Mm -hmm. And who am I, a creature, to take to the creator a complaint Mm -hmm. and say, well, why didn't you allow me to choose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why didn't you save everyone? Why didn't you allow me to, you know, go against you? Well, (laughs) Praise God, it wasn't my choice because I would choose to go against him and I would choose death for myself every time. (laughs) I need Christ to Mm -hmm. tell me I need him and I need Christ to save me. Like I just, we are, I don't think, I still sometimes just don't think I understand how sinful my nature is Mm -hmm. and just how just lost I am without Christ. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people will object to this concept of irresistible grace um, with the notion that if if God is making us love him in a way, is that real love? Um, And this Mm -hmm. is something I definitely questioned a lot and wrestled with and still don't have all the answers to. But my response would be that God is sovereign. He has predetermined those who will come to a saving faith in his son. um, And out of that, a love for who he is. So he has predetermined who will love him. And, and that's hard to grasp, but predestination is all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and also ultimately, this is something that I've kind of come to the consensus on. Um, but whether it's me choosing God or God placing in me a love for him and a faith in his son, either way, if it's true faith and genuine love, then I'm saved. And same with like, if it's true faith and genuine love in you, then you are saved. And Mm -hmm. although it sounds strange in human terms that, um, you know, God causing me to love him and place my place, my faith in him. It isn't when we consider the way that God works because he doesn't always work in human terms, Mm. nor can he be fully understood in human terms. But if this is how God works and we, and we understand that we can't save ourselves, then if God is causing me to love him, then great, because I'm, I'm saved, you know? Well, I loved what you said there, you know, if it doesn't make sense in human terms, that's okay, because God doesn't always work in human terms. Mm -hmm. And I think that the biggest one for me at the same time, when I was wrestling, like, you know, God, if he is sovereign in salvation, and if he is sovereign in predestination, then, you know, why would he allow those to perish, even if they deserve it for themselves? Mm -hmm. I was asking the same question of, okay, if I have no choice in my salvation, if I have no choice in loving God, is God selfish? Is God a selfish dictator with no accountability? Um, I was thinking in human terms, as you can see, but I actually was talking to my friend, Abby, who I met through just this podcast platform. And Mm -hmm. she was asking, you know, what is, 
how does God's justice make sense with God's love? And likewise, how does God's selfishness and jealous, jealousy make sense with his perfection? And I, I was like, oh, girl, this is my jam. This is something <laughs> that like I struggled with so much, mm-hmm. so much. And God allowed me to understand that if God is selfish, then I am saved. I should praise God for his jealousy, praise God for his selfishness, because out of his selfish desire for my soul, he saved me. Mm-hmm. And, and his selfish desire to seek the gl- his own glory his in own all glory. in all circumstances. Yeah, yeah, because you have to remember that it com- it combines with his righteousness. It combines with his holy, separate perfection from this world mm-hmm. to make it like it's just he defines what is good and he is good. And also, when you think about it, God did not need us. God is completely sufficient on his own. God is completely sufficient in glorifying himself without us. He only chooses to use us to glorify him for the purpose of, you know, bringing himself glory, but also allowing us to see his glory revealed as he does so through us. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just so incredible and so loving and so selfless, really, Mm -hmm. the selfishness of God can be. Wow. Yeah, that was good. That's we didn't good. plan to say that, but yeah. all right. that was a little off script. But. A little off script. <laughs> but I think the point is that when we have doubts, when we have questions, especially on controversial things like this, on mm-hmm. hard things to grasp, hard, hard pills to swallow, like irresistible grace and the idea that regeneration precedes faith, it's important to take our questions and our doubts to scripture and to view them in light of the gospel. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't make sense until you look at the gospel doesn't make sense. The gospel doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would Christ die for yeah. people who are sinning against yeah. him? Like while mm-hmm. we were still sinners, Christ died to save us. We, we killed him. Yeah. The same people that nailed him to the cross were the ones he was dying for. That, yeah. it, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's a good point that, you know, even if it doesn't make sense in human terms, the gospel doesn't make sense in anyone's terms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I so, guess yeah, I can just um tie things back to Romans mm-hmm. and yeah, sure. then we can end, but um so we were we were through the series kind of trying to stick in the book of Romans. We jumped around, but we'll tie it all back to Romans. So, here is what Paul writes in Romans 6 in regards to regeneration and the life-changing work of the gospel within our lives. So starting in verse 5 of Romans 6, Paul writes through God, for if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. For if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So because of the regeneration of our souls, sin is put to death. Our flesh is put to death with Christ's death. And symbolically, but also literally, our souls are raised and we are given new hearts. They are changed here in this life. So there's no condemnation because we are not the same. Our Mm -hmm. sin has been put to death. 
we previously, before the regeneration of our hearts, we were in Adam. And now with new hearts, we are in Christ. We were slaves to sin. And now we are slaves to righteousness because the old has passed away and the new has come. Now being a new creation, we can grow in our knowledge and understanding of Christ and what it looks like to resemble him and his love in our Christian walk which is the premise of sanctification, which we'll get into which, next week. Yes. Which is the doctrine we will be talking about next week, which follows regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we are looking forward to that. Yeah. So we did condemnation and how um, we all are born. Our natural self is against God and how justification through Christ's work on the cross is the legal point in time when we were declared righteous and the wrath of God was satisfied so that we could have relationship with him. And through justification, the physical result is regeneration as the spirit comes into our lives and allows our hearts to change. And because of that, we are able to see God and see our need for him and see our and desire him mm-hmm. and ask him for forgiveness and repent and turn from sin so that he can begin again in us. Mm-hmm. up right. until glorification yeah we mm-hmm. will maybe talk about that next week too we'll see depending on how yeah we kind of just don't know what's happening a lot. <laughs> we do we, we do. know we well kind of we just <laughs> have a lot of thoughts and then whatever makes it whatever gets cut we'll see yeah <laughs> all right well we will talk to you guys next week and yeah have a better week than i did this week <laughs> all right bye, bye.